Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You started the super team, bro. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Roger Bennett of Men and Blazers here on the Rich Eisen Show. What is the result here? Do you really think that, yeah, you know, Liverpool joins this Super League, money starts flowing in, but fans won't go? The Rich Eisen Show. What we're really seeing is football eating itself. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Today's guests, NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, ESPN NFL analyst Louis Riddick, plus co host of Good Morning Football, Kyle Brandt. And now, it's Rich Eisen. All right, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show here in Los Angeles, California on a Tuesday. Uh, two Tuesdays before the NFL Draft. We've got ourselves a red-hot Steph Curry for the Golden State Warriors. We've got ourselves um, quite a uh, full-blown uh, uh, all out money versus fans versus the uh, the way of uh, of versus tradition war going on uh, across the pond as I'm mandated to say here um, as an American sports broadcaster and um, uh, I, I will say good morning to Chris Brockman out here on the on the left coast. What's up, my Mike man? Del Tufo's out doing whatever the hell he thinks he uh, needs to do. Good to see you again, Mr. Feller. How are good you? Good to see you. And good to see you, T.J. Jefferson, sitting uh, in your usual spot right here. Hello, on Rich. How are you? Uh, I just want to say this. Um, any Anybody out here um, uh, in America, which is pretty much everybody here in America that I'm speaking to, um, <laughs> that thinks this story uh, with the Premier League doesn't concern them, uh, I would say to you, you're out of your mind. You need to be paying attention to what's going on uh, with this story uh, over in the UK, in Spain, in Italy, in Germany, and in France. And what's going on there could wash upon these shores if it works, I'll tell you that. Certainly Mm. because there are a handful of North American sports owners that are at the forefront of all this. And I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again here. Um, college football is perfect. It's a perfect, perfect situation set up for a Super League scenario to wash upon this shore. Don't think it's going to happen in Major League Baseball or any of the uh, organized closed leagues, as they're referring to it right here. By that that means that somebody can't come into it uh, and work their way into it because they have come from a lower league up into this league or from this league getting relegated out of it. That's the way it works over in the Premier League, for instance. That's called an, a non-closed league or what have you, open league. Uh, I don't think it will happen here anytime soon for, for our organized North American sports, but I truly do believe... There has to be a college football mind somewhere, whether it's an athletic director, a conference commissioner looking to ward something off or perhaps even break away, lead the breakaway, potentially a school president somewhere, 
thinking to themselves, well, let me pay attention to what's going on over there. Let's see how this works out. Let's see how it all works out with fans who are freaking out and swearing to swear off of their favorite team that their town has been supporting for a century or saying that they'll never follow this team um, that, uh, that will move somewhere else and, uh, and seeing how it all plays out. I really do believe that to my core, that it's entirely possible that the top four teams in every conference across this football-loving nation breaks off and starts their own league. Got to pay attention to what's happening over there. And what's happening over there is recriminations and anger and seeing if maybe, just maybe, the owners of these teams that are staring in the face a $400 million per team payday will turn that down to go back to the system that they announced on Sunday they were breaking away from. That they will go back into the current construct that English football fans certainly love. That they will essentially, like Costanza, show up for work the next day like something didn't happen the day before. And maybe, just maybe, that will eventually happen because they see the hue and cry of the fan base. They do see the, you know, prop planes flying overhead over the pitch at the Premier League games that are going on right now, like happened at Liverpool yesterday, saying, you know, to turn away from this Super League. Maybe they'll, they'll hear the, the outcry and think it's not possible to accept the $400 million check that J.P. Morgan Chase is cutting them. And I'll tell you what's probably happening right now, and this is something to keep an eye on. Who is the television network that's going to raise their hand saying, we'll televise that? Because without a television contract, J.P. Morgan Chase this summer will be to these owners, you said that you're going to start playing this summer. Where? On whose channel? How much revenue is coming in? Margin call, Mortimer. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so this is what's happening across in the UK. And again, we'll talk about the draft on this show. We'll talk about Steph Curry going off, the NBA playoffs coming up. I understand there's lots going on on this continent, but what's going on over there is definitely something that some people in this continent are taking a look at to see what's going on over there. Can we pull this off over here? And I said this yesterday, and we put the video out, and I understand the number of... By the way, I, I love the fact that we have an audience yeah. over in Europe. Absolutely. Whether it's through our old podcast friends that stick with us, or they're listening to our podcast, they're seeing our videos on YouTube. The number of people saying, I don't get it, the get the it that I'm not getting, is that fans will stick with their teams that have been left out of the Super League in the Premier League. Rich, you don't understand. We're, we're not, we're not, we're just saying good riddance to those people. We still have our team. We're never going to, we're never going to leave them. I'm not saying you're going to leave them. What I'm saying is whatever's left over of the Premier League might not have enough revenue for you to have a team. This is about money. This is about money. It might not be about fan fervor. It should be. That's the way, obviously, I think it should. And I understand also. They're like, Rich, you don't understand. The reason why we're all so pissed off at Chelsea and Arsenal is what the hell do they want? 
They're now going to this new Super League. <laughs> no, I don't, you know, what the hell have they won? Right. Just for instance. They're going to this new Super League to avoid getting relegated. They don't want to they don't want to deal with the competition. They're running scared. And to my response is that's true. But the reason why they don't want to be relegated or have any sort of issue with relegation and that's not what they're I don't think again I'm not a tremendous expert at this I don't feel that they've been in fear fear of being relegated they've been in danger of being relegated if they miss the Champions League which is the top four teams in the Premier League get to go play for the Champions League where they play against the champions of all the other leagues in Europe from which two of those leagues have been poached of their top teams to create the Super League and France and Germany saying we're not interested yet when there's all them euros on the table, they own these owners. Yes, they 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 want to be in the Champions League, and so if they can go to the Super League where they play in a Champions League and make more money just to play in this Super League than you would make winning the Champions League, if they can do that and have that cost certainty rather than compete and run the risk of not making the Champions League and thus lose the revenue? It's about money. Of course they're going to go run and create their own league. Keep an eye on all that. That said, later on in this show, because six of the 20 Premier League teams have been created, are leaving to create this Super League, and more could join them. I mean, there's some... Other founding clubs are keeping some spots open for people who, I guess, w- wanted to test the temperature before making the maneuver. And uh, 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 if you want, uh, I will translate the current temperature into Celsius. <laughs> it's friggin' hot. <laughs> the temperature's really friggin' hot. Like, Scalding to the touch. Like in the 30s. If, you want to, if they were like, yeah, we just need to see which way the wind blows. It's gale force wind blowing you from Europe all the way across the Atlantic. Well, the jet stream blows in the other way. You know what I'm saying. The other way. Sending you towards Asia. <laughs> so we figured there's six teams in the Premier League that's of the 20 that's created the Super League. That's 30%. 30%. We actually did the math before this show. Yep. That would make, if you say, the NFL, of the 32 teams, 30%. Just a hair shy of 10. We round it up. Later on in this show, we're going to create each of us our own if the NFL, heaven forbid, created their own Super League, which 10 teams should make it? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and just like the Super League, there's some arguments about why is that team, what the hell have they won the last time? Well, they actually have a large fan base. They have a great following. That's why they're in, a.k.a. Tottenham, for instance. This is going to be fun. That's later on, an hour or two this before Lewis be Riddick joins this us. And then Kyle great. Brandt joins us in hour number three. Maybe we'll bounce those Super League concepts off of him. I love it. Ian Rappaport's first up to talk about the NFL draft. He says, interestingly enough, the Miami Dolphins, who once upon a time were three and then moved down uh, to uh, out of it to 12 and then lickety-split moved back up to six in an NBA-style three-team trade for the draft that shook everything up. Ian's like now saying that the Dolphins are... Wondering how can they trade back out of six? If Pitts and Jamar Chase aren't there, I think people are thinking 
Devontae Smith and Waddle, very talented guys, but get them later on. But get somebody of similar talent without the resume at Alabama, get them later on, which is what the Eagles perhaps were reading in the room. Makes sense. And then there's the subject matter of the 49ers, uh, the latest on Deshaun Watson to talk about with Ian Rappaport. Before we go, though, I do want to say one more thing here about um, Trevor Lawrence. I do want to say this one thing. Just one more time. I've, I've, I've discussed it when the Sports Illustrated article with Michael Rosenberg, who joined us last Friday, came out. And... I want to say it again here because even uh, Trevor Lawrence felt compelled to have a three-tweet thread putting a little bit more meat on the bones of the quotes that came out that are not controversial at all. They are not. Mm -mm. Him saying, you know, I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I'm not trying to manufacture a chip on my shoulder. I don't need a chip on my shoulder. I have nothing to prove is something that I would hope that could be said from somebody who's got his head completely screwed on straight with an excellent perspective on life and things in a sport where, as you could see with Alex Smith, even with 16 years in the league, you're always one snap away from maybe not playing anymore. This league, on average, has a career that lasts four years long. That would mean Trevor Lawrence would potentially, if he's just the average NFL player, have to figure out at age 25, 26, what to do next. And that's what a lot of these kids who are about to get drafted and have the biggest nights of their lives two Thursdays from now bestowed upon them are going to have to deal with. What next? And they're going to have to deal with it at age 26. Marshall Falk, again, you would sign for his career right now if you're Travis Etienne or Najee Harris or any of the running backs in this league. First ballot Hall of Famer football heaven. He had to find out in his early to mid-30s He's done. His body's finished. What next? So any player that comes out and says, I've got other interests. They, I, I like hearing that too. They like to read. They like to do this. They like to do that. Football, they, you know, it's just part of their lives. I don't mind hearing that. I think what Trevor Lawrence had to say and his high school coach saying he could leave football right now and it's okay and his father saying something similar. We make hay of that or at least I pointed them out for two reasons one completely honest I always shoot everyone straight here what the hell else are we going to talk about (laughs) we're waiting for the Jacksonville Jaguars to make the inevitable actual with this kid and then number two the reason why I brought it up is because what came out of Trevor Lawrence's mouth that is not a problem If it comes out of the mouth of somebody without his football resume, without his tape, without his trophy case, it's viewed as a red flag. And my point is that person who's not as good as Trevor Lawrence, who says the same things as Trevor Lawrence, might have the same actual makeup as Trevor Lawrence, just isn't as physically gifted, just wasn't also blessed with getting to a college like Clemson University and a coach who wasn't going to get his ass fired or an offensive and defensive coordinator didn't know what to do with him or something that might have been going on in the classroom because maybe they don't have the same 
study skills? I have no idea. Something going on at home, something going on in their personal lives? I have no idea. But maybe we should just, again, flip what Trevor Lawrence said on its head by saying any other kid that says this sort of thing coming out of college doesn't need to have a red flag raised on them. Doesn't mean they don't love football. Do we have to have somebody say, I live, breathe, and eat football? Me love football. (laughs) Me think football great. (laughs) For us to believe that they are into it? That's a great drop. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, first round choice on Sesame Street is Cookie Monster. Please, let's be honest. C is for cookie. Or F is for football. That's good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? So... I just wanted to say that, get it all out to make sure it's in one chewable, five-minute, repeatable segment, video, whatever, in this day and age when it gets watched wherever it does, whenever it does, that I just wanted to say that. I've, I have said it over the course of a few days. I do want to at least get it out there about Trevor Lawrence Because if you have a kid who is so physically gifted and also mentally gifted and also what beats inside gifted, who doesn't lose, is a great teammate, gets married at 21, has his head screwed on straight, all priorities set as he gets set to be a lead pipe wielding professional, what do you want him to say? Other than the fact like, yeah, I don't have a chip because he's got the actual apostrophe chip in the case at every single level, right? And you also got the ability to go in the NFL first overall. That's the way he comes in. All that said, let's see what happens September and October, certainly with a coach who who's never lost either with the regularity that a team that chooses first overall because they won their first game the previous year and then lost all the 15 in a row after it usually doesn't have the roster to go ahead and win more than, if you're lucky enough, eight games the next year. That means eight losses. That means one more loss than Urban Meyer had at the Ohio State his entire tenure, if I'm not mistaken. That's also a multiple of the number of losses that Trevor Lawrence has ever had on a football field in his life. We'll see how it happens down the road. But I think he's got clearly the character makeup to go through that crucible and be ready for it and having his head screwed on straight. I just don't want what he has said to be used against somebody else with lesser than statistics and resume to be used against that person. Let's take a break. Ian Rappaport, Lewis Riddick, Kyle Branton, you at 844-204-RICH. Number to dial here on this busy Tuesday edition of the Rich Eisen Show. Do you want to tell you about the white-hot Odyssey putters before we take a break? Boy, can you roll the rock with these babies? It's just like butter. And the reason why is because there's the most sought-after putter insert of all time, and it is back. The white-hot OG line of putters, defined by that famous urethane insert that golfers everywhere have come to love. It gives you an almost mythical combo of sound, feel, and roll. Tour players and amateur golfers alike love it. 
It's a cherished icon, and the reason why is because Odyssey took it beyond a simple reintroduction. The original White Hot designs have been totally reimagined. The two-ball, the Rossi, the number seven, the rest of the head shapes sport modern upgrades, fine surface milling for an ultra-premium look to inspire confidence over the ball. TJ, you've got one of them in your hands over there, don't you? I do. I feel The White Hot OG putter features the most popular insert of all time again, the beautiful balance of nostalgia and craftsmanship you have to see to believe. Legendary then, iconic now. See the White Hot OG family of putters today at odysseygolf.com. TJ was hanging out at the LPGA tournament yesterday, too. We'll have more on that. We'll see you in a few. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is the Rich Eisen Show. It's summertime. I've got this big gig on Broadway coming up, and I thought, you do. Got to hang out with my family. Got to, you know, so they invite me out to do certain sporting events, throw the first pitch in a ball game. Where are you doing that? Did that in Akron, Ohio. Did a good, pretty good pitch. Then I went to Frederick, Maryland. Okay. Frederick Keys. Frederick Keys, And they Maryland. made these bobbleheads, of which this is one of... Oh, my God, a Shooter McGavin bobblehead. Shooter McGavin bobblehead. Yes. <laughs> So, guys, awesome! Yeah, here it is. There it is. We'll have to place this in a in a very special spot here. It's I pretty funny. He's got the guns out, double barrels, <laughs> <laughs> leaning on his putter. It's pretty funny. Isn't this amazing? Did you realize when you were doing that, Happy Gilmore, that that would be something that would stick with you for the rest of your no career? idea? I don't think anybody knows when they make a movie if it's gonna you know have legs like this. But this is almost generational now. It's because of the beauty of television. When it first came out, it was a moderate hit, but now, right. People love it and quote it. But it's neat it's that you you own it, right? I mean, you've got a. I just read everything that's going on in your. You got a hit. You're on a hit TV show on HBO. I mean, that Broadway revival of the front page. It's gonna be massive. Holy yeah. smokes! Yeah. But you 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 own this Shooter McGavin thing. Some other actors, I think, might not do that. Um, well, yeah, I. I, I I enjoyed the movie. I was a joy working with Adam and, and Dennis Dugan, these wonderful writers. And, you know, it's just Judd Apatow was a co-writer, and these guys are, they're, you know, comedy gold. So right. to be with them and to have this movie last as long as it has, it's opened a lot of doors up for me, you know, personally and sure. and then professionally. So it's just been a gas. And did you come up with the, the, the shooting? Yeah, I had no idea why they called him Shooter. Nobody told me anything, so I just started making putts and going, Shooter! <laughs> <laughs> But the, so that was your that was yeah, your call. That was my call. And that, and the very funny thing about this movie, I told this story, but I, forgive me if I've told you before. It's but okay, go for it. End of the movie. You know how I hate in a, in a golf movie where they cut to the hole and the ball rolls in. I want to say, could you please let me make it? It's about a thirty-two footer, mm-hmm. and it's not on a, it's not on a golf green. It's on a botanical garden. So like, he, he told me he'd give me like, seven tries, and that's try five, and I lifted out twice. A 
people were betting the crew was going, he's never going to do this. And so you see who your friend is? And when I, I put, when I put that baby in there and I did it, choke on that baby. And I just did, did that whole shooter shimmy thing at the end. <laughs> That's the one they left in the movie. And it's so freaking, <laughs> so freaking wrong. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our entire archive, video archive. God bless our, our video archive. Uh, again, Vincent D'Onofrio talking about getting the role of Private Pile in, uh, in Full Metal Jacket and Patrick Warburton talking about his favorite Seinfeld episodes. Those videos are our most popular videos currently right now on our our archive feed 844-204-RICH is the number to dial um let's uh let's uh make one announcement here if you don't mind uh the emmy nominations for sports emmys just came out uh, i want to congratulate the show that precedes us every day here on nbc sports on peacock dan patrick's show was nominated for best um daily um sports program outstanding studio show daily program let's see um, so DP and his crew, kudos to them. Yeah. Good morning, football. Good also morning, football. There. Also, NFL Total Access. Yeah, Total Access. Um, did you see the list of uh, studio hosts? I just saw it. How about that? Congratulations, hey. Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. So I want to thank the We're Academy back. for it's an honor to just be nominated, <laughs> and congratulations to Ernie Johnson on his win. <laughs> Mike Tirico, Rachel Nichols, Scott Van Pelt also nominated. So. Big day for the Ball Brotherhood getting nominated. I think Rachel's the only one with hair. I was going to say, that's four out of five. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Big day for the Ball Brotherhood. I mean, if she wants to come over, that's totally <laughs> No, no, no. I that's think she's totally fine. fine. I think she's fine. So That's awesome, man. Congrats. Yeah, let's dude. not bury this lead. You're just that. like skimming over it. That's well, a big deal, I mean, bro. Congrats. Well deserved. I appreciate you saying Long that. Long overdue. Um, and uh, Kyle Brandt of the Emmy-nominated Good Morning Football will be on uh, on Hour 3. And, and NFL Total Access, the show that I helped launch in 2003. Congratulations to them. That's great. For getting nominated for Best Studio Show Daily. And part of the reason why is because people tune in to hear what Ian Rapport's got to say. And my buddy Rapsheet joining me here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, Ian? Congratulations, Rich. It's kind of cool. Thanks, brother. Same to you, man, because you're, you're on Total Access and Good Morning Football quite a lot. And... Uh, I appreciate you joining uh, joining us here in, in advance of uh, a huge week coming up next week on the NFL draft. Uh, yeah. What, 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 why would the Dolphins want to trade out of six when they trade back up into six as part of that big, huge uh, deal a few weeks ago? What's going yeah. on there? So here's kind of my understanding of where the Dolphins are. So obviously they were at three, and then they took the huge bounty of picks to move back to 12. But if you're at 12, you're sort of kind of out of the mix, right? Like you – you lose the ability a little bit to do whatever you want, and you don't get to almost control it. I think the idea is when you're at six, even if you have to give up a first rounder to do it, which obviously the Dolphins did, um, you're much more of being you're much more in control of your own fate. So they trade up, or they trade back, they trade up, and now let's say quarterback slides to them, then someone who wants to come up, like they can basically hold them hostage and go, we're going to get the quarterback premium twice. That's basically the thought is say like, we're going to make sure that someone pays us to draft their own quarterback two times, not one time, which increases their draft haul. So 
Okay. Um, I, I still, I get it. I mean, but at some point you got to hit the draft it now button, right? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're right. And like, let's say, you know, let's say Kyle Pitts is there at six. To me, they probably just take him. I mean, that's a guy who I've spoken to. I don't know how many people, but 25 pages worth of notes. And I haven't had anyone find anything wrong with Kyle Pitts. It's almost <laughs> funny. It's like Quentin Nelson a couple of years back. Like, everybody loves him. Um, so maybe the Dolphins just take him. Otherwise, like, they're going to be able to get some incredible value. They might trade, trade again. So, okay. Kyle Pitts isn't lasting till six, right? I mean, that may, uh, there's, there's uh, I mean, that would mean four quarterbacks and then um, Jamar Chase. Or or, right. or 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 Sewell, right uh, to the Bengals, and thus that that's the glorious heavens opening up for Kyle Pitts to stay in the state of Florida and play professional football. That's the way that would. Work. Yeah, I would say the only way that Kyle Pitts goes to six or you know sort of lasts to six, which is again possible, is if the Falcons take a quarterback and they have looked hard at the quarterbacks. Um, I know something Peter King mentioned, and I would echo this that Arthur Blank very much wanted his people to at least take a hard look, investigative look at the quarterbacks. That is something he wanted as an owner to make sure that whether or not they drafted one, they were ready to draft one. So that means the Falcons are in the quarterback mix, possibility, whatever. So if the Falcons take one, then I think Pitts probably falls to the Dolphins. And then, you know, then it's either – do they trade out, or do they just take maybe the best player in the draft, not named Trevor Lawrence? See, I, I guess if the, the one thing again, though, is is um, and Chris Greer deserves an amazing uh, amount of credit and respect for what he is doing at the general manager position in Miami, and that is that is that is a very long all due with all due respect. I'll be very honest, because at some point though, and. You know, get the guy you want. You want Kyle Pitts. You've got a million draft picks. Go get Kyle Pitts. Call up the Falcons and say, we want him. And you know that the Bengals, I mean, the Falcons would just run the risk of, of ho- hoping the Bengals don't trade out. You know, they're not going to take the quarterback that you might want. And go down, to, go down to six and get the quarterback you want anyway. You know, I know that, that, that you do run the risk of that. But the Dolphins, at some point, you know, it just reminds me of the Sixers. They masked all those picks. And eventually, they, they did turn it into players and had to go right. win with them, right? That's just the, that's why hearing that, hey, the Dolphins might trade out again, I'm like, that that kind of made me stop and go home, you know, Ian, you know? Yeah, it made it kind of made me also. Um, but it makes sense because it, it makes sense in this way. If you, if someone is going to take a quarter, like let's assume right now that the Dolphins have the franchise quarterback, right? Which I would say across the NFL is, much more of an open question than the Dolphins would like, but they believe in Tua. So let's assume for the sake of argument they believe in Tua and their quarterback question is over. If that's the case, then I don't mind them gouging everyone else for a quarterback because, you know, Kyle Pitts is, I think, going to be a great, great player and everybody loves him. Absent that, there's some maybe some similar players up until like the 12th or 13th person in the draft. Then it kind of flattens out a little bit. So you have like a group of great, great players, probably up to 12 or 13, and then you have everyone else. So as long as you can stay in that mix, theoretically, you're going to be getting a great player anyway, 
maybe just get the capital. That's that's be that would be kind of my explanation for the Dolphins. And in the end, you know, we'll see what they'll end up doing. Ian Rappaport here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, the draft sometimes can be like a solar system, Ian. And uh, trust me, I'm sober. Um, and when I make this analogy, uh, and by that I mean that there's a, a fixed presence, and then we in the media are all orbiting around it, and we just have different perspectives of the same fixed presence um, over time. Um, and the fixed presence, the son, is the 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 third overall pick, and the son of Mike Shanahan, who who gets to control it. And we're all orbiting around it. And on one side of the sun, we see right. Mac Jones. And now we're coming around. There's there's Justin Fields. And yet the Niners haven't changed who they want, right? I mean, who they traded up to go get. They they Have they? Was the second pro day changed? Or you're hearing something yeah. different? Or we're all hearing something different? What What is going on here, Ian? I believe that going into the second pro day cycle or whatever that was, mm-hmm. the 49ers had a leader in the clubhouse and they were looking to confirm that. I don't know for sure, for sure right now whether or not they did confirm it, but that is my belief of what was happening. So the weirdest thing for me in this whole thing, and I'm not, uh, I'm not into the gambling world at all, and I guess considering the deal that the NFL just struck, I probably should at least find out about it. Nice. Um, but Somehow Justin Fields is the odds-on favorite to go number three, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out what happened in the last week to make that happen. Like I don't, I just don't know that anything actually did. (laughs) To me, still, I would say Mac Jones is the guy to look at there. Um, And you know, maybe they've kept it all a secret and they've hoodwinked us, and you know, kind of like the Bears did with Trubisky. Which you know, congratulations if that happens. But I will stick with Mac Jones. Until, until I'm convinced otherwise, I'll say that. Well, I mean, every talent evaluator uh, I've spoken to uh, believes that um, you know Fields is is the better talent than Mac Jones with the ultimate. That's everybody. I mean, I haven't heard somebody say I would take Mac Jones over Justin Fields. Our colleague Bucky Brooks uh, said it best, saying that Fields and Lance are are far better athletes than Mac Jones has the major Mm -hmm. upside. Um, that Mac Jones is like Iron Man, where Alabama's uh, team and program and coaching staff are like the suit that makes him the superpower, you know? And um, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're just hearing from all the the initial reaction was, well, Mac Jones fits, and now two weeks later, a pro day later, and two pro days later with Lance having his, that maybe that's it? I don't know. I, 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 that, that's the question mark here. I don't get it. Yeah, and maybe I do. I've never heard that description of the Iron Man thing, but it kind of does make sense. So the, the the background, the sense, or whatever you'd say, I get on Mac Jones is this: he has a a great mind, total recall. He is brilliant. Um, I would say for Kyle Shanahan and for Mike Shanahan, who loves him also, you know, his brilliant mind, Mac Jones's brilliant mind, is something that is insanely important to them. Right, something they can build around and use, assuming that is the pick. I, I haven't heard, you know, Trey Lance's evaluation goes up and down. The game he played last year wasn't great. Everybody loves the talent. He's very smart. It just might take a while. So, you know, you don't, you're not going to know what you're getting immediately. Justin Fields, I really haven't had anyone knock him very much at all. I mean, he's had some up and down moments, but some of the up moments, like the Clemson game, have been incredible. So I think it's more just, like most people I've spoken with, Rich, 
believe that Justin Fields is the number three quarterback in the draft. I just don't know that that list includes the 49ers right now. Ian Rappaport here on the Rich Eisen Show. And then um, usually in an NFL draft, but not always, and I don't know if this year is that, um, that there is a a storyline that that took up tons of the oxygen pre-free agency, during free agency and post that dies down and then, you know, bursts back up. Is Russell Wilson that this year? You got one for me um, at all, Ian? Yeah, I mean, Russell Russell Wilson, I think in my – Humble opinion. I think we've probably talked enough about that this offseason. Uh, don't worry, though. Uh, if you like the Russell Wilson storyline this offseason, we can always do it again next offseason <laughs> when he actually might be traded. Right. Um, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing, I would not say, is over. We still have so much to sort out. His legal situation, we have a team that has not yet been willing to trade him, and he has still privately said he doesn't plan to play for them. So something must happen there. I don't know what it's going to be, but something must happen. Um, I think that's going to be the one that we still need to figure out. The Russell Wilson stuff, I'll put a pin in that, and we'll talk about it all of next offseason. Don't worry. So, okay, so let's not look for a trade right there. And, and then Deshaun Watson, if, if his what everyone in the media refers to as his situation had not uh, arisen, you know, this would be the time where it, it, our first 10 minutes of our conversation would have been all about who might get Deshaun Watson and could the Jets trade number two overall and stuff like right. that for him. And, but that, that's just not getting handled and finished and to, to the point where we, we understand what Watson's standing with the league would be, let alone his team, let alone his community, let alone uh, the legal system. We have, we're, we're, I think we're a long time away from that. This just seems to be getting uglier and uglier and, and murkier yeah. and murkier without any sort of, um, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, culmination down the road, Ian. This sounds like this is going into the summer. Forget about the draft week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know about all that because there's – I would not rule anything out with the Deshaun Watson situation at all. I would just, I wouldn't. I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I know these things can turn on a dime very, very quickly. So, you know, will it last? Like an actual, summer, well, hold I mean, on a second, Ian, like an actual dime? Is that what you're saying? Like, seriously, like, because that, you know, a, a settlement where, where this, if you will, goes away from the court system and from the, the headlines, that would mm-hmm. then lead to, well, what is the league going to investigate and what's the team going right? to do? Like that's where that would then head into. So is that what right. are, are you um, are you um, you're, I, I, again? This is are you referring to that? That's something that's possible in the near future. I mean, w- where it stands right now is Deshaun Watson has not obviously has not wanted to settle because he hasn't settled. It's like when you know trades haven't happened because there's been no agreement. Like there's been no, you know, I haven't gotten any word that he would settle. Okay, um, a settlement would probably accelerate things and cause everyone to declare what they actually want to do. Like I've also, I would also say like, I still don't know what the Texans would or wouldn't do. They have made no, you know, they have not said at all that they would consider a trade. If there was a settlement, would they consider one? I don't, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to say that anything at all is decided right now because there are literally seven things that need to happen before we know anything on the Watson situation. Okay. Before I let you go, what are we not looking at? What's a story that uh, nobody's talking about right now for the draft, 
um, for next week? Um, Give me something. You know, I, I think we, we've hit on a lot of them. Um, we've probably spent a lot of time on the top ten. I would just say the couple things that I would keep my eye on. Um, not a lot of great edge rushers in this draft um, and very few great, great tackles. So you kind of wonder what people might trade up for not talking quarterback. I would say, you know, you may trade up for a pass rusher because there's just not that many. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Jalen Phillips is the first and maybe someone comes up for him. Um, and then if Pinay Sewell goes early, who else trades up for a tackle? That would be kind of my next question because quarterback's important. Tackle's next most important. There's just not a lot of options, and there are a lot of teams that still need tackles. What about a quarterback to be traded back into the first round for? That might that would give us six. Well, what do you think? Is that I possible? I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah, because you know, to me, you have Alan Mond and you have Davis Mills. I would describe both of them as highly regarded. And then you look at the back of the first round, and you have the Saints, who you know, I don't know what they have at quarterback, but could they draft one early and and kind of add that person to the mix? Maybe. Um, could the Steelers draft one? Possibly. You know, could the Bucks? who have Tom Brady, who re-signed their number three quarterback, but not their number two quarterback, could they draft one? Possibly. So, you know, could a six quarterback sneak into the first round, a la Lamar Jackson? I would say that is a definitely a fun storyline. As we get to like 1030 at night or whatever it is on Thursday, I will be wondering along with you. And speaking of the Steelers, before I let you go, Ian, uh, that, so I, I lied, I'm not going to let you go based off of that last one. I mean, a, a, a coach gets a three-year contract extension as opposed to going and coaching into his walk year. Normally, that, that would get a ton of headlines and play and what have you. With Mike Tomlin, it's just a shrug. I mean, the Steelers, <laughs> honestly, I was born in 1969. They still have only three coaches in my 51 years on this planet. It is remarkable how much of a shrug it gets. But that happened today. I know. Steelers are amazing. They really are. They have to be one of the best run franchises in all of sports, right? I mean, they, and what's crazy too, with a wild hire, young, brash, thin resume, African American, um, and the guy he was, you know, sort of battling was like a lot of coaches at that time, an older white guy, and the Steelers went against the grain, hired someone they believe in, and it might have been. I don't know, one of the best hires in sports history. I mean, Tomlin's amazing. And he got another three-year deal. He's probably going to coach forever. He will. I mean, I can't imagine any situation where he's not coaching the Steelers until he retires. Like he's, he's awesome, and I think it's an awesome organization. Real quick, you were cutting in and out. Who was the guy that the Steelers didn't hire that, that was down to Tomlin and who after Cowher? Who was that again? Oh, man, was it, was it Russ Grimm? I'm trying to remember now. Right. It might have been because he was on. Right. Well, I mean, and I also remember, I believe it was our colleague Mike Silver reporting for Sports Illustrated that had a bombshell of a scoop that says it might be that was saying it might be Tomlin. Everybody went crazy. Uh, I apologize, Rich, since you're going to let me go. I need to take this call. Go for it, Ian. You take care, brother. That's Ian Rappaport. There you go. That's the name of his memoir. I have to take this call. Yeah, it really. When we're breaking news, that I was right. You know, I'm sorry. I just don't want to let people go. I just don't want to let people go. You're, you're a five minute goodbye him. guy. I am. Yeah, that's the Jew in me. Can't let the call drop. Okay, we'll take a break, everybody. Um, and and I do want to 
hold court a bit on uh, on Mike Tomlin and also something TJ Jefferson said before the show. I got to get to that coming up. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Here is the connection yes, Bob. between me and J.B. Smooth. Is it, does this involve Kevin Bacon in any way, shape, It or does form? not involve Kevin Bacon, but okay. I'm sure in two or three moves we can get <laughs> to Kevin Bacon. No, it involves the cult classic, yeah. Pootie Tang. <laughs> J.B. Smooth, J.B. Smooth is in Pootie Tang. Yes. And it goes without saying yeah. that without me, Pootie Tang is nothing. There's not. You put the tang in booty tang. I did. I, I bet. I did, just like the astronauts. <laughs> I put the tang. I put the tang in Pootie Tang. Now, where does Pootie Tang rank in the Bob Costas oeuvre? Where, yeah. do, where does where does that you rank? You know, very very often people will say, Pootie Tang, basketball, mm-hmm. and you know it's a little bit it's a little bit like asking Jimmy Stewart. Yes, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Sure. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Like saying to De Niro, taxi driver, raging bull. It's just impossible. It is. They're all my children. <laughs> They're all an extension of who I am as an artist. And I'll let the public choose. Really. Yeah. You know. Wadate, my brother. Wadate. <laughs> hey, Bob, man. Hey, what's going on? JB. <laughs> JB Smooth. I'm back there. Do you do you do you have any good from the set stories of Pootie Tang? You know, we were never on the set together. Yeah. There's some great stories of Pootie Tang. Any man who can fight with a belt. Right. <laughs> How do you not have great stories? It's the, the man who had a ponytail and a belt yeah. and, did, and had his own language. How do you not build a movie right. on that platform and have success? You know, it's a cult classic. People sit in their basement smoking the funny stuff while they yeah. watch it. Yeah, and you don't even need the funny stuff. <laughs> no, you don't. Although it helps. It does help. It's a great movie. Reunited. Yes, with J.B. Smooth. My brother, we are back. My man. Yeah, back. By the way, Bob said Putin can five times during that interview. And that's, so that's 22 fewer times than, than Marshall and Lynch yes. said he was there to be fined. Yeah. Not I'm going to sign your pity on a runny kind, brother. <laughs> And if we you want to, if you want to try to stop me, I got, I got to say the name. <laughs> what is happening right now? Oh man, love it. 
YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our entire archive. And for those watching on Peacock on a streamer, you can watch us on desktop, PeacockTV.com. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the show. We've got a very busy next two hours ahead of us as well. And we welcome back our radio audience to our Peacock feed on the Rich Eisen Show. We all know a friend. We all know friends that we love, right? We're all thankful to have them. Yeah, of course. We have them right here in this room, don't we? 100%. So then uh, it's kind of jarring. You know when your friend says out loud, even though uh, there is a little bit of a backstory as to why this was brought up. <laughs> okay. <But> <laughs> Here we go. T.J. Jefferson before the show says out loud, hey, any of you remember the player Luis Gonzalez? And, you know, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. And Chris Brockman is a diehard mass hole. So he jumped on it right away. Rich, do you know who Luis Gonzalez is? And for those who might have a need of a refresher, he's the one who fisted a base hit over the drawn-in infield uh, off, I mean, of, that's... off of... Mariano Rivera in Game 7 in 2001, leading to one of the most heartbreaking losses in the history of Yankee fandom. Heartbreaking, tearing that's the hearts out. That's one way to look at it. No, that's just, well, I'm just trying to take it from the Yankee point of view and also the one time in the history of Yankeedom that much of the country was actually rooting for the Yankees because of the aftermath of what happened in New York on 9-11. So all of that fair, put together, fair. thank you for uh, giving me the, the fair. fair. So it ripped my heart out. And it's just like <laughs> TJ. Like, so I turned to TJ and I, 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 I'm, I'm like, you know, what was the name of the pitcher who struck out Carlos Beltran staring at strike three against the Mets in that playoff game? What was that person's name? Do you remember that guy's name? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, like name name one of the worst sporting moments for your ten teams, and then let me sit here in a room and just hey, you guys remember that guy? Well, you did before the show. You gave like <laughs> Chipper Jones like oh, yeah, thirty five so like, times. Hey, like, Chris, you remember the guy named Tripper Jones? What was his first name again? Well, what did he name his child because he loved beating the Mets so damn much? <laughs> Shay, right? He named his kid Shay. Did Chipper Jones not the audacity. name his child Shay Jones because he loved Shea like, Stadium like so life, damn much? Like a lifetime 428 hitter. You remember Shea? a guy named Chipper Jones? <laughs> yeah, TJ. I remember Luis Gonzalez. But here's the deal. You took offense to it. And it was, it was Why one of my time. Because it had nothing to do with you or the Yankees. It was just TJ story time like I share all the time. And right off the bat, it was just like, you guys start yelling about Luis Gonzalez. Well, you just said Luis Gonzalez, like, and I was like, oh, didn't he, didn't he have that hit that okay. one time? So in can the, can we tell you in that like, big game, honestly, I think it was? So, so you need to read the room, TJ. Okay, you were that sports guy at that moment who had no sense of the room. A great way to set up the story is like, hey, Rich, I know you probably don't want to hear about Luis Gonzalez, but I've got this good story. Gotcha. That's a better setup. Like, hey, would that possibly, because no. I honestly thought to myself, <laughs> TJ don't really doesn't troll me, like outwardly troll me. Like, so what? I mean, I will say in TJ's defense, well, he, no, let me tell he wasn't this, thinking about your sensitivities yeah. about Luis Gonzalez. Why not? Was, because that's one <laughs> way. I'm, the room, I'm sitting here with two ears I, and a heart. I understand that. And that's one way to look at that's it. That's you the way being you overly said Now, no, to, everyone, to everyone at home, another way to look at this story, and this is just another way, mind you, is this. We were looking at a video of a person, a TikTok video of a guy working in retail. Right. Oh, that's a brilliant. And, it's again. Yeah, so Rich, oh Rich made us all watch this two-minute video hilarious. of a guy talking about retail, and it was really funny. 
I then, when it went to add a story about a retail experience I had working at Foot Locker you wanted to in downtown the Pittsburgh. It was, there was no, because we weren't comparing it to anything. This was just like, we're watching the video. I was like, yo, I know what this guy means. So I was talking about working at Foot Locker, downtown Pittsburgh, Fifth Avenue. It's still there. And that's why Luis Gonzalez's name brought, got brought well, what up. It had nothing to do with you the or the did he, did he create a, a stink? Well, if it's, he, if it's, you know, he walked in once and, you know, I was I was working at Foot Locker and I was did you checking. Have, you had the referee shirt on? Oh, him? and all that. And I and, <laughs> and um I was checking someone out and he came in and he wanted a pair of shoes. And I was like, I'll help you just one second because store was packed. I'm actually ringing did up Did you know sale. it was him? I think I did, yeah. Okay. And um basically he was very upset that I didn't like drop what I was doing in right. mid like scan of someone's uh, at Cortez's and just run in the back. So my manager came out helped him out and then i got kind of like well, why don't you help him i was like um, i was kind of busy so that's why i brought up luis gonzalez now, let me, nothing two to do with questions. the yankees number two questions yes. <laughs> one was part of your footlocker severance package that dr j thing that you a poster you have affixed behind you well that did you, was, did you five finger discount there, that there on was, the way out the door there was Ooh. no severance package i did get fired from footlocker on Friday, on my day off, that's a story for another day. From really Monaco to El Segundo. This was, yeah, I, I jacked this. I took this. You right. ja- I, I took it. <laughs> Number two, the statute of limitations is passed. Yeah, I've had this thing since 96. Number two, great story. Apropos, why can't you sit here and say, I understand this might be sensitive to you, Rich, but I've got a Luis Gonzalez it's story. it's not about you. Yeah. Hey, Chris, Chris. You remember a guy well, named First and foremost, you're the first. You hey, started right off the bat. Chris, like, you remember this guy named Bucky Dent? Yeah, remember because him? it's hilarious to troll Rich about the <laughs> hey, Yankees because they I got, suck. I got right a great, hey, I got a great Bucky Dent story yeah, from Foot Locker. But I'm not going to take a spe- offense to that because I you wasn't should, born you, yet. You wouldn't look at me like, what's your problem? No. Yeah, but Sorry, I, I would do it because I'm an angry Northeaster. <laughs> You're very sensitive about that. I, I think. I think. Come on. I think you kind of <laughs> no, overstepped. Is... It was TJ was fine. Thank you. Thank you, you immediately jumped on it and started because laughing. Because it was hilarious. <laughs> because it's it was not reading the room properly. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. <laughs> I almost got fired from Foot Locker. That's the story. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> Lewis Riddick coming up from and then ESPN. I did get fired from Foot Locker. Don't go anywhere. It'll be a great chat. Were I'm you, sorry. You, wait, that's a violation. You were at that game, I, right? I, I call you for it. That's a <laughs> violation. Hold on, hold on, that is a violation. I ain't nothing by it. You were at that yeah, game, Yeah, with right? Susie. Susie was covering it for, yeah. for, for Fox Sports. I was covering it for ESPN. Were you Susie's was, plus one? I'm always Susie's plus one. I'm always Susie's plus one. Yes. Right. I was covering for ESPN. She's covering it for Fox Sports. We watched the eighth inning together. Behind home plate, there were seats because out, Diamond Facts, Diamondback fans were leaving because Ra- Rivera was coming in yeah. for a two-inning mm-hmm. save. I was sitting – Diamondbacks' wives is how great the seats were. We're They were sitting there. Family members of the Diamondbacks were sitting there. They were wow. crying oh as God. Rivera had a clean eighth. This thing was a wrap. Rap. And then Susie and I went our separate ways. Okay. We went our separate ways. <laughs> she went – to get ready to do her post-game stuff. Yeah, I went ready yeah. to go do my post-game stuff in the ninth inning. Ninth inning happens. I watched that from like a camera well down the left field line. Oh. I couldn't believe what the hell I was seeing. And then I go do my job. Susie goes do, does her job. I wound up in the Yankee locker room. She wound up in the Yankee locker room. Steinbrenner was there in his white dicky. Giuliani was strolling around. Everyone was strolling around in there. It was like a morgue. Oh. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, uh, you know. 
I had to sit there and take stock about how lucky I was as a Yankee fan to have seen the Jeter era up to that point. That would have been four in a row. And as if I needed another just cherry on top, kick in the groin, a Yankee who shall go unnamed right here, put his phone number on a baseball and handed it to Susie in front of me. <laughs> what? Wait, that happened. Wait, what? That happened. In, in front of you. We're going to have to throw hands here? The I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> it was great in the eighth inning, half an hour later. And then all of a sudden. Oh, man. Does Susie still have that Mr. ball? Mr. Footlocker's like, hey. <laughs> you guys remember Luis Gonzalez? He doesn't know that. I don't know that whole a Yankee player tried to snatch it, your I mean, girl, bro. Is Mrs. Still your girl? Does she still have that baseball? Wow. I don't know. That'd be a. I think she might. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's going to. Oh, gonna... this is so not right. <laughs> oh, God, this is so not right, Mr. Footlocker. <laughs> Jay, we're all nominated for an Emmy. What's the matter with you people? Sorry, Rich Eisen. 